Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to The Miss Fisher Files. Why are we here again? Yeah. Welcome back. We are talking season two, episode five, Murder a la Mode. mode. And Chandler, this is your favorite one, isn't it? My favorite, favorite one. It's very exciting. You betcha. And I have a lot of notes. (laughs) As do I. Most of them, actually, not most of them, but many of them are costume related. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are also some very good quotes in this one. There are. I have a lot of quotes uh, written down. Yeah, excellent scenes. So, um, well, I can can we start with the end actually and be weird? Sure. So the I, the you know how they they have the song and the end credits, and most of the time, some, actually, I th- I suspect most of them actually have something to do with the plot, but I don't always pay attention. I paid attention this time, and the song is called "You've Got to Be Modernistic," and it was written by composed by James P. Johnson in the late 1920s. That recording I think is from 1930. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's perfect for the whole thrust of the show. And the lyrics are, when you start to be modernistic, don't be getting too futuristic. Just keep it up realistic, because it's the one and only rhythm. If you want to be modernistic, why, you've got to be optimistic. Then you're sure to be characteristic. Modernistic, that's all. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. How perfect is that? That is perfect. <laughs> I'm very glad that you did the research on that, because it is perfect. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it really... It, it really speaks well to the whole well not just the era but mm-hmm. certainly the whole haute couture versus prêt-à-porter which mm-hmm. is the thrust of this and I boy boy howdy do I have notes about that yeah but I won't bore you yet if you don't want oh, me to oh well I was wondering should we do a half-assed recap yeah TM? how about you do that this time because oh, mine are okay. always mine are terrible it's, I am, well there's a reason it's half-assed recap TM um <laughs> Send so, royalty checks to Mary Holstein. Yeah, exactly. Take home Washington 9401. <laughs> Send them on in. Um, yeah, it's the Haute Couture episode. So it deals with the House of Fleury, where Franny gets her beautiful clothing made. Mm. And uh, there are two murders. Right, <sighs> Very yeah. convoluted. Um, but murders with ladies' fashion accessories and sewing tools, which yes. is kind of awesome. It kind of is. And actually, I want to talk a little bit about the, yeah, the like the danger element of this fashion show. It's not just varicose veins in your high heels, ladies. <laughs> fashion can be deadly. Watch your hairpin. <laughs> yeah, it can be. There's Yeah, so there's a lot of that talk, which I want to get into at some point. Um, yeah, it's basically murders in this house of fashion and solving the crime. And also, like, the men being flustered by this world. Yeah. And unable to handle women's clothing. I, I don't... It's hilarious. It's like, it's like when you try to speak to your significant other about... I don't know. I got to go buy underwear. And they're like, whoa, you just take care of that. I don't want to talk about it. Underwear is so scary. Yeah. 
or yeah. any anything that it's women really have to terrifying. buy that is a total mystery to men. It's like that whole maybe area. It's the mystery. Let's not talk about this ever it's again. Kinda, yeah, maybe it's like not even a fear. It's a mystery that they want to remain in place yeah. because they've been taught like just don't mess with that. Right. I don't know. Right. But it comes out in this episode more than it usually does. It's like all the stuff that women. It's like like don't talk about your periods because mm-hmm. that's the mystery women stuff. Like right. I don't want to hear about it. Can I launch into something real fast on that topic? Okay. I almost posted a picture that I took at Target a couple months ago. On the end cap, they had a period kit. It was a kit for your first period. And it was on the end cap, like on one of the main aisles. And it was, they had a great sign above, like, like, you know, it's coming. Why not celebrate it? It, it wasn't it wasn't quite that blatant, but it was along those lines. And I loved that. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's the same thing, but a couple years ago there was a mail order version of that. Hmm. And it was extremely feminist and it, it was there if you, it, but you could look it online look it up online. There's a video that has this young girl, she's away at summer camp and hmm. she's the one marketing this thing. And it it was really brilliant. It it kind of was like, you know, we don't have to dread this, we don't have to right. have the, the dreaded talk. Like this can actually be fun and feminist and cool and not something that we all fear. Right. I was given a period kit when I was, I don't know, 12. It was a traumatic experience. It was awful, awful. (laughs) It was, you know, the worst height of mom. And, you know, (laughs) and and it was, I think it was meant to be this mother-daughter bonding moment, which I abhor even now. Like, it's just, that is not my style. It never has been. So, oh, it was the height of mortification. And it was, I remember it was like manufactured by Kotex and it had a little booklet in there of Sarah's story. Sarah's story. Oh, just shoot me now. So if there is a good feminist, non-mortifying version of this out there in the world, then hallelujah. You know, I mean, you bring up a good point. At that stage in your life, it's probably just going to be mortifying no matter how it's handled. You'd rather die than talk about anything with your mother, let alone... Uh, all right, I gotta store that away for years from now. But I think a lot of it is marketing and... Yeah, so... That, and that was what made me so excited to see this on the main aisle in yeah. Target was the acknowledgement of this thing happens. Let's celebrate it. Let's make a cute little kit right. about it. And let's put it on the main freaking aisle right. at Target. Like, let's not hide this in the very back. Totally. So that the and men don't see the, it the and point get uncomfortable. The, yeah. Like, uh, I, let's get... I, and I loved that. I love, like, let's not be uncomfortable about this topic. And, and I think that was kind of the thrust of the the mail order one, too, was mm-hmm. that it would arrive to this girl. She didn't have to, like, go to the store and buy the mortifying thing if, huh. for her very first time ever. Right. And, and it comes to her, and she can... I think it was more marketed to this like self empowerment thing. Uh-huh. Like instead of let's have this horrific bonding moment with mom, <laughs> like I'm going to empower you to discover this on your own. And this is how we make it easy for you, which totally was my style. I was totally yeah. like, no, don't you tell me, tell me where I can go look it up by myself. Mm-hmm. That's what, there's some great websites out there now for like Scarlet. Scar- oh yeah. Scarletine is just a godsend. I know. It's I'm amazing. so envious of today's young women I who know. have these resources they that know we did not have. I know. And I know. they can ask so many questions to just total strangers, right. find things out. Like you ugh. don't have to ask your mom. <laughs> no offense, mom. I know. Listening. I know. I love you, mom. I you did a great listening. job. Oh God. But kids always have questions that they don't want to ask their moms. And yeah. so to have that ability is like, Oh, I'm so jealous. Um, so anyway, I, I was so heartened by that because I feel like it is so helpful when you take the mystery out of it. Like when you, when you demystify and just 
let's make it part of life. And it's what know, women deal with. Let's just be real about it and not make seriously. it like a squeamish issue. Is, and, with the, is there ever more evidence of the universe being capricious and cruel than girls like that that the age when this stuff starts happening is when you're 13 so, like the it's so worst mean. age it's not okay. ever that was just really there is poor no planning. worse experience in a person's life than junior high like <sighs> yep man yeah i feel like everyone lives the rest of their lives trying to <laughs> override what happened Seriously, in junior high it's what makes people authors and artists yeah and I know it's the, the scarring experiences of <sighs> and I think the people who aren't scarred by by junior high are the ones who become like who peak in high school and who are, mm-hmm. have really dull boring lives and I don't know run for office <laughs> <laughs> run for high office high I should office. say <laughs> thank you for that qualification yeah Yes. Um, yeah. Her husband, by the way, actually ran for office, but one of those, you know, local offices where people actually do things and actually make their communities yeah. better. And it's about parks. Don't become like filibustering, it's... like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People on Capitol Hill, those kind of offices. Yes. <laughs> what are we talking, are we talking about, about again? Okay. <laughs> um, so the fashion world and murders and once again, the plot. I don't care. I, I want to point out there. Were, okay, there were two murders in this, um, and they were like double murders. So in the cold open, the um, primary investor in the house of Fleury, uh, Francis Francis Wild, yes, oh, very is nice. murdered. Um, both by being strangled by her own aubergine pearl necklace, which are that more she's green than aubergine. So I never huh. quite figured. Like I was looking, and I'm like. Really? Those don't seem purple to me, but... Oh, interesting. It, but, you know, pearls are... Well, they're... Per- they're, they're luminescent. Yeah, they so they're... The, change in the light. Yeah. Is it the that dress, that dress on the internet thing? Like, is it purple oh. and black, or is it white and gold? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, anyway. What the hell was up with that? That I, was... I think that was amazing. And actually, I went to, like, a mediation training course, and they referenced that. Really? Because... Because people, like, died on their sword on that. Yes. Yeah. And, and you could... Two people could be looking at the same photo and have such opposing views that they were unwilling to change, you it's know? So, I, I, it only, was, I only saw it tangentially, and I I don't know. Like, well, I, I, I actually... So, my husband... I, I will put this up on the show notes, like on the webpage yeah. so that people know what the heck we're talking about. But I remember I came home from something. My husband's like, hey, what color is this? And he shows me a picture of that dress. And I, right off the bat, said, oh, that's purple and, and black. And he's like, oh, oh, that's interesting because everybody's saying it's white and, white gold. and gold. And I couldn't see it. I could not see white and gold at that moment. Later that evening, I looked again and I could not see purple and black. Like Weird. my per- whole perception. Did, did we ever find out what the answer actually was? It was purple was? and black. Yeah. And this was, I mean, the fabric was luminescent somehow. Like I can't right. remember if it was taffeta. It was like taffeta and lace or something. And yeah. so they did, the light hit it strangely and right. it was fluorescent lighting. And with the, you know, you add that to the whole phone's ability to capture l- color right, and everything. Exactly. It, was, it, it made like a perfect storm. It was of, like a Rorschach. It was like, if you see yeah. purple and black, you're... I don't know, whatever, whatever that says about your personality. It's it's like those online quizzes. Yes, exactly. Which Disney princess are you? (laughs) There is one for which Miss Fisher character are you? I haven't done it, partly because I don't want to know who are you. No. You're Seth. I'm totally Bert. You're Bert? No, you're not Bert. Who am I? 
Oh, I'm Aunt P. That's who I am. You are Aunt P. I am. That is your spirit. Dowdy, and I wear character. giant bows. I guess. I think and you're I Aunt P. Horrified by things, yeah. and I make weird faces. <laughs> I know I make weird faces. <laughs> I think you're Aunt P. I don't think that's a bad I'm thing. I'm all right either. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Aunt P is also a dead ringer for my great grandmother. So, mm. so you come Grandma by Evelyn. It. So I'm okay with that. With your DNA, that's yeah. really funny. Yeah. So, so yeah, aubergine pearls. Yes. There are, there are pearls do come in a wide variety of colors. There are green. There are aubergine. There are black. There are, and usually it's those non-white pearls that are incredibly valuable. I bet. And exotic, and they come from like. They come from the well. It would make sense that they'd be in Australia because they. I think uh-huh. they do come from the South Pacific. Well, and the number of pearls you have to like comb right. through to, to find have an entire enough, string and yeah. to have them all the uniform size right. and that and unusual color. color. Yeah. yeah, I could see why each one was like a thousand pounds. But I also and I remember in the books too, the mention of money was always so interesting and really helped me frame how Phryne's life is compared to the average person at yeah. that time. Yeah, I mean, and a thousand pounds per pearl I, in nineteen. 19- 1928 that's wow an entire family could live on so much less than the worth of one of those pearls so the the thousand pounds per pearl is actually pretty i mean even now that's an absurd amount of money money, i don't even know what that would be but right but like even now that's like whoa that's a lot of money but then it would have been you know a bajillion times more Yeah. yeah hard to comprehend so oh right so getting back to the double death of this poor woman so she's choked with her own necklace and, and also stabbed, stabbed with, a with a hairpin wow and so i mean at first i couldn't figure out what had happened because i the choking is very vivid yeah you know they like really focus on that but then suddenly there's like blood coming out yeah on the floor and i was like where did that even come from so i had to rewind it a couple times to figure out when the stabbing had occurred yeah I mean, pardon the expression, but it does seem like overkill. Like, you know, literally (laughs) overkill. And then the second murder is kind of the same way. Poor Violet, who's slaving away in the back room, working on, like, beaded details for Lady Archdale's dress. I love the name Archdale, by the way. Not only does she get a giant heavy iron Iron to the the side of the head, but also smothered in a bowl of beads, which, okay... Can that even happen? Yes, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I don't know about a bowl. I'm sure a bowl of beads could do it, but you ever been to those ball pits? Oh, there's warnings yes, on them. Actually, yeah. There's warnings on them because That's you actually true. they you oh, actually can suffocate. Filled moments yeah. in those ball pits, even like recently. So I yes, guess you can you certainly suffocate. Can. So, but it just seemed really unnecessary and made me overthink like how it even happened. How did did they? Did they smother her first and then whack her over the head? Or the, like, I don't really want to think about this, but I just think the, they whacked her to disorient her and then they held her down. That's man, what I think. Okay, it but was man, brutal. Bad messy. She bled a lot from that. She really injury. did. It was bad, and I felt so bad for poor Violet. Poor Violet. An oat couture house with only one in-house dressmaker. Yeah, they got troubles. No kidding. They've got troubles because. And that dress with the beads, I mean, that would take so many people working like 12 hours a day yeah. to so complete. I think this is a good good point to talk about my notes about oh, good. haute couture versus pret-a-porter. So, okay, most people have heard the term haute couture. It, people think of it as meaning high fashion, but it literally means high sewing hmm. in French. And pret-a-porter is kind of the opposite side of the coin. Um, haute couture... Most people think of very high-end fashion houses, but the thing the thing that really defines haute couture is it is entirely 
bespoke. And so it is entirely custom. It is one garment made, a unique garment. That garment is never repeated. And it is all completely made by hand. It is hand sewn. Really? The pa- any patterns on the fabric are not printed. They are, unless they are printed for that one purpose, they are um, often hand painted. Uh, the sewing is not done by machines in general. It Jeez. is mostly done by hand. And, um, and at least in France, where this was invented, because all fussy, really <laughs> crazy artistry things were invented in France, um, they are also highly regulated. And so um, haute couture was and still is regulated by the Chambre Syndicale de la Haute Couture in Paris. And you cannot call yourself an haute couture house unless you have been absolutely approved in writing by the Chambre Syndicale. Oh my goodness. It's like being certified organic. Right. Or like you can't call <laughs> wow. wine champagne unless it comes from right. the region of champagne. You can't call Bordeaux Bordeaux right. unless it comes from Bordeaux. It's the same thing. Wow. Yeah. I, I did not know yeah. there were it, such it, it strict qualifications. Yeah. And and what's really, what's interesting is that people think of Pret-a-Porter as being the advent of, say, Target clothing. And technically it was. But this actually began, the, this idea of completely hand-sewn clothing versus factory-made clothing began during the Industrial Revolution. That's where the Industrial Revolution started in the textile industry. They were making cotton. But mostly at, at, the, at first, they were for home furnishings or you know rough cotton, rough linen, hmm. that sort of thing. But um, it wasn't until um, really the 20th century that women's clothing began being made by factories. And it began with high-end women's clothing. So Pret-a-Porter, as we're talking about here, was still high-end clothing, but it was not completely bespoke, um, Hmm. completely tailored by hand. It actually used, it basically cut corners in a very high-end way. Nowadays, if we were to see Pret-a-Porter fashion from the 1920s, it would still be some of the most fabulously made garments compared to today because garments now, ready-to-wear garments are crap now. Um, So actually the very first Pret-a-Porter was produced for men. They were military uniforms produced for the War of 1812. Oh, wow. Yeah. And shortly after that, Pret-a-Porter menswear appeared. It was very high-end garments. And so it wasn't until the 20th century when the fashion lines began um, having... Simpler silhouettes, simpler garments, which also went hand in hand with things like wartime shortages and availability of materials, that sort of thing. These things all kind of inform each other. That was when Pret-a-Porter started to become popular. And the thing about Pret-a-Porter is um, originally it was, they weren't really mass produced, but they were made in quantity. Hmm. So they were made in maybe maybe dozens, maybe hundreds, not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands like you have now. Um, they were much more wild, widely available because they weren't just making one of a kind. They were making several of them. They were made in different so- stock sizes. And so hmm. um, what they would do is, like Couture, they'd have a model, at least one model, who worked for the fashion house. And the model would show the sample garment. And then they would make, people would place their orders. And so if you've ever seen a movie like Funny Face, where she's... Uh, where Audrey Hepburn is modeling the collection, this is how they did Pret-a-Porter. These fashion houses would come out with new collections usually twice a year and then usually a year in advance. So it was for Hmm. next year's line. Mm -hmm. And then they would have a fashion show where their models would, would... model that year's, that season's clothing line, and then people would place their orders, and then they would have 
several of these things made, but it was a stock garment. It wasn't one of a kind. It wasn't, you know, hmm. Lady What's It's, Lady Archdale's ball gown. Right. It was, you know, all the ladies would have that. That was the ball gown of the season yeah. and you could order it. It's really fascinating. I think this whole world is really fascinating. And this, this era was when a lot of these things were happening, like photography supplanted illustration for a while. Mm. And, and then now we have the advent of digital photography supplanting film. And, mm-hmm. and then you get these arguments over and over again of these people who were masters of the old medium right. suddenly finding themselves out of work with the new medium. Huh. And then usually the way forward is a blend of the two. And right. I, I think the most interesting things that happen are the blending of the two things, and which is well, kind of the plot of and, this. Yeah, and this episode has these two sisters pitted against each other. One is trying new ways of, of creating clothing. Um, and it's not just so that she can spread her wings, but it's also survival because right. very she's few people have the money for right. an haute couture garment. That was And, and Pret-a-Porter is still a high-end fashion. It's still, you know, dot... Dot couldn't afford Pret-a-Porter even Mm-mm. on her own. That was still high-end fashion. Right. The 20s were so interesting, too. I'm so glad they set the show in this time period. Yeah, because it's, 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 such a, it's such a pivotal... Mm-hmm. And that really is the right word. Like, culture and technology and religion, everything is pivoting to, to a new direction at that time. It's fascinating. And, and there's also the, this whole... I actually wrote a whole paper once long, long ago, like outside of school about, um, feminism and the, the fabric, the textile industry and how Hmm. men and women have historically been fairly equally involved in textiles throughout all of human history. But in general, when men have done it, it's been in a high, either courtly or highly professional capacity. And women have frequently been in the home the home sphere. And so we have these terms like tailor versus seamstress, dressmaker (laughs) versus seamstress and, Mm -hmm. and, and these kind of gendered. Yep. And the hierarchy that's high versus low. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like art versus craft, professional versus amateur. It's, there's a whole lot there. There's, everything is. is loaded. Everything has a history. Everything has many layers. One of the very outspoken, opponents of the industrial revolution in England at least was William Morris and also John Ruskin. They were all, they were buddies. These guys all hung out together and they (laughs) talked about, um, the industrial revolution being the death knell of hand craftsmanship and good work and good labor and artistry. And at that time it was the goal of these people who were manufacturing things. And this also goes for Pret-a-Porter versus Couture. It was the goal of these manufacturers to emulate and imitate what was done by hand. And so it was Hmm. a very high compliment if you could say that looks like it was done by hand. Today, it is completely reversed. And I run into this all the time (laughs) as an artist who makes things and I have good craftsmanship and everything. And now people think they're paying me a compliment when they tell me this looks like something you could buy at a store. This looks like something that was quote professionally done. And I'm like, well, I am like, a professional. Like this yeah. is my profession. Thanks for the knife through the heart. But, but that is the accepted compliment now right. is that something that somebody may, people associate handwork with granny craft, mm-hmm. with amateur, mm-hmm. unskilled Just hobby, yeah. la- hobby labor. When that, that is a very recent phenomenon. 
and and it's this is something I think about all the time. This this is a big driving force in my whole life and sure. career. And so yeah, this is oh, I totally I can see both Renee and Simone's points of mm-hmm. view big time. And the work that I do as an artist, I try to ride the line between the two. Yeah. And I feel like that's the only way forward in this world where everybody's well, obsessed with technology. And that's basically Phryne's argument. She sort yeah. of provides mediation at the end. Yeah. So <laughs> when the fashion show happened at the end, the first time I saw that, I almost cried with joy. I was like so happy. It was like that. It was such a great denouement of the it, yeah, show. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. I love um, Phryne's little shimmy right at the end. Yeah. Also the camera angle. I love how it it's swoops The whole thing is beautiful. To the ceiling. So you're looking yeah. down. And on, that space is beautiful. Yeah, I you think know, it's the, the same hallway. Oh, as is, um, is used in season three, where her father is staying oh, at the hotel. I think you're right. I love those those very pale robin's egg blue walls mm. with that gold trim, which is very 18th century. Not even, I mean, I, there's nothing in Australia that goes back that far. But I, yeah, it's a beautiful space. Every yeah. every shot is beautifully lit. I mean, it's par for the course for this show. But it's you really notice it because they really do these garments justice Mm -hmm. and boy howdy are there a lot of garments at the start we see her trying on the dress that she has commissioned from house of fleury i love that dress it is gorgeous that leaf green yeah it's like a lining that you that's opened up from that what is that it's like a brooch or a mm -hmm. large button or something way down low on the hip yeah on the hip yeah and then you see that beautiful crisp pleat revealing that lining in that very skinny triangle oh oh gorgeous we should talk about Dot, too. Oh, Dot. Breaking my heart. I, I feel Dot. I have been there, yep. honey. I've been there. There's a great quote where she says, you can be married or buried in a quality suit. <laughs> that's, yes. And Dot's that's like, the very great, beginning. just bury me now, then. I know. And then and Because I Phryne, never get married. So, yeah, poor Dot has just watched Phryne trying on this gorgeous ball gown or whatever, her cocktail dress. Right. And then... Has, Dot has her brown suit. Brown. With, what'd she say? Like something with a twist. It's like under, El- elegant uh, with a twist. Or sensible. Yeah. I think it was sensible with a twist. Yeah. And Hugh says, I love the twisty the, part. The twisty. The twisty part. <laughs> yeah, That's the- a gorgeous shade of brown. <laughs> <laughs> He's so flustered. Oh, and, and the poor, I mean, that, that bit when he's in that classic man in a trap line yeah. and he says I like everything you wear I'm like oh what woman has not heard that from a guy like desperately wants a specific compliment right. and all you hear I like everything you wear and he's, it's like he's really set up to fail the right poor, there yeah the poor guy you're, and, con- you're and confusing you- me when he whispers you're confusing <laughs> me <laughs> oh perfect at least he admits and they it. bring back their little theme the music. That's the, the, right. They do the whatever out of tune the piano. The piano. Uh-huh. Yeah, it comes back just a little bit because they are. I didn't off, even notice that off a little bit in their relationship, and he is so bumbling. There's and, no way he's gonna win this. Oh yeah, I know. He, and he just needs to. But you just know, sit it out. <laughs> sadly, sadly, you know the 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 guys who would know the specific compliment. The you know I love that peach blah 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 or whatever my favorite thing mo- the vast majority of those guys are either gay or they're complete jerks so true. it's just not gonna work out ladies and <sighs> and so it kind of that whole thing about Phryne saying that that scene in the bedroom where Phryne is saying to Dot a woman must dress first and foremost for her own 
pleasure. You know, that's a beautiful scene and I love the kind of slightly sexual undertone to it. Mm -hmm. It's where Dot is sort of like she's being initiated into this world and it has that yeah. has that electrically charged Well, it's like the talk. It's it is. It is like it, the talk and it's but it's sensual and mm-hmm. it's, you know, feeling the fur and like describing things in kind of it's some like, erotic way and I mean it's wonderful. But it's also sad because Phryne is the only person who will probably ever tell Dot that. And most of us have never been told that. I've never been told that by another woman. I have, I don't have that. I never had that kind of role model in my life. And I've had to kind of become that for myself. And it's, it's really sad because, yes, dress for herself. But most women never learn that. Right. This clothing that has been sexualized or whatever is designed by men. Right. You know, for male fantasies. To please fantasies. the yeah. male gaze. Yeah, yeah there's exactly. All, there's whole histories and treatises written on high heels and oh. your, your thing about pockets in dresses and, <laughs> and, you know, corsets and bras and all these, mm-hmm. these other things that are... High heels were originally worn by men. Really? Yes. Well, I back in like so. French yeah. court. The French 17th court. century was big. Yeah. Yeah. But again, the French. Uh, yeah. The French. We have everything to thank <laughs> them and blame them for. Exactly. <laughs> she's not violent. She's French. <laughs> um, but yeah, that scene, it's like the talk and Franny really, like you said, she really goes for like the sensual aspect and Dot is just like cringing and so she's embarrassed like, and she's like, I can't handle this. We're talking about Franny the pleasures is, of silk. is so gentle about it yeah. and so like she demonstrates with the fox mm-hmm. fur and it's, it's such a beautiful scene and it's so quiet and gentle and also like sexy and mm-hmm. charged, absolutely and charged. Mind blowing for Dot, yeah. who yeah, has never considered fashion this way ever. Yeah. And the they'll see you coming line that her mother would say That's, if anything oh. was showy. And, showy and at we all. have all heard that terrible yep. voice. We have all been either in our own heads or by women in our lives. Mm-hmm. We have all heard that. I'm still like actively trying to drown that voice. Yeah. And it's hard. Oh, yeah. It's really hard. Because that's, I mean, I was brought up that way to a certain degree. Yeah. And I mean, not, I don't think <laughs> to the degree that Dot was. No, but, but, but it's still it's there. there. That, that is always and present. And our, our mothers grew up in, my mom was born in 1951. So my mom grew up in the 50s, which was a very restrictive era mm-hmm. for women. And she definitely was raised with a lot of that stuff. And, and I think some of that has come through. I've heard a lot of that stuff. And um, some years back, I did a um, art series they were hand so I, I mostly work with text in my work but I did a series of stitched broadsides there was all text but it was all done with textiles so one mm. of them was hand knitted one of them was applique quilted one of them was a couple of them were embroidered so there's a whole this, series of these yeah. and they were all all of the text I wrote the text to be that voice that disapproving <laughs> put you down female voice that is either our mother's or that voice in our heads and one of them was an eye chart and and it and to read between the lines um it says something like always so in a well-lit area and then in parentheses women are never as pretty in glasses and and it's they're all along those lines Uh um you know, the, there was one about a hope chest, which it's kind of sad because nobody knows what a hope chest is anymore. So after, I put it in a show and all these people are like, what do, you, what do you mean hope chest? But there's <laughs> something about like, um, 
your hope chest is your only hope. Keep stitching oh, it with geez. something like that. Oh, that's brutal. So, oh. but that's, I mean, yeah. everybody knows that voice, right? That, oh, honey, I'm, I, you think I'm paying you a compliment, but I'm putting you down and, right. and bless her. Phryne doesn't operate that way. And Dot needs that probably more than anything in her mm-hmm. life. She needs someone who's going to be positive as a role model mm-hmm. and teach her, like, it's like opening this door, a glimmer and she's seeing this other world. And especially in the twenties, which was this, this era of free love and, you know, people who were fairly open, open about homosexuality and, and this whole counterculture that thrived at that time. Dot sees a tiny, tiny glimpse of that. And mm-hmm. I know, I think Franny knows not to open the door all the way. Cause right. it would just scandalize yeah. her. Yeah. She didn't want to tell her why Mr. B was acting the way he was. Right. After eating or the like, let's, let's introduce you to more of Max friends. Right. How about we do that? <laughs> like that she doesn't, she kind right. of she, very gently. Yes. It is very gentle and thoughtful and, yeah. and Dot operates differently. I mean, throughout the course of the show, we she watch really her grows. mind open and, and she approaches problems in a different way that she wouldn't have before. Yeah, and I think it's really evidenced by that scene with Hugh where, you know, you're confusing me. Dot said something offhand of, well, it, 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 it'd have to be a crime of passion because, you know, of where it was and when it happened and nobody would do that in broad daylight, blah, blah, blah. And Hugh says something inadvertently patronizing where he says, well, look at you, you're quite the little detective. Yes. And she doesn't take that crap from him. Nope. And we would never have seen that side of Dot last season. That's very true. The dot who wouldn't answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> the center of the earth is going to blow up. Dot would have missed that entirely. She would have she would have seen that as praise when this little condescending uh-huh. head pat from a man. She would have been chuffed for having mm-hmm. that praise. And now she, she sees right through that now. Yep. Yeah, and Hugh grows too as a result yeah. of, of... And Hugh didn't mean to be patronizing. No, but, but that, he totally is. That's like, what... Men say to women. That's still what men say to women. I know. It's so gross and it's so disappointing. I mean, when you see it in the characters that you like on the show, it's like, I'm so glad that you're going to be straightened out by the end of this. (laughs) You really need that. He is so funny in this episode. I mean, with Dot, where he's so confused every time they're talking and he's just like, I know I'm going to trip. I know I'm going to trip. And then um, (laughs) when they're still at the House of Fleury at the beginning. Danger, Will Robinson. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He knows. His antenna's like, right. There is no way out of this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) When he um, closes the door on Jack at the, when they get back to the police station and he's so flustered because he's staring at Genevieve, the house model. Genevieve. That cracked me up too, where she's like, but she has French heritage. Oh, therefore she must be a great model because she might have some French people in her family tree. At the end, when poor Madame Fleury finds out that she wasn't even French. She's not even, not even any French heritage. Uh, Yeah. After she's like, she finds out she's a murderess. Like she's murdered two people and a and cat burglar. Cat, right? I think I wrote cat burglary number three hundred and forty-seven. I wrote that down. <laughs> Actually, Franny has an interesting line at the end um, when they're talking to Genevieve. I think at the police station after they've caught her, mm. and she says, "What kind of greed would make you take the lives of two innocent women?" And she actually puts a slight emphasis on the word "women." Mm. which I think is really interesting. Mm. So not like two innocent people, but... It's like portraying your own kind. Yeah, kind yeah of thing. I think she yeah. kind of alludes to like, you even had to be a worse human being to betray yeah. women in this way. Exactly. And 
yeah, it was, oof. I would not want that talking to by Franny ever, oh, ever, yeah. ever. Yeah, seriously. So can we, can we talk menswear a little bit? I don't have as many notes as I thought I would, but I guess it makes sense because this is all about the women's wear. But <laughs> Aubrey brings it. Oh, yeah. He brings That's it. That's true. He does. Yeah. I mean, everything that Jack wears, we have seen before. Although he is wearing, at some point, my favorite um, diagonal gray gray shades tie, mm. which I love. Um, that wool tie. But he's also wearing the ugly maroon tie that I hate <laughs> by the end. Um, but Aubrey. Aubrey is fascinating. Um, good looking bloke. Just got to say. Yeah, he is. It's yeah. Um, at the beginning, I didn't have high hopes for him because he was wearing that plaid taupe suit that is just—it's like the color of very old homemade chicken soup. I just no, <laughs> no, ugh. Um, but he later you see him at home on his cushy little balcony having his breakfast, and he's wearing <laughs> this brown and beige silk smoking jacket with this Chinese pattern right. on it that is so gorgeous. And he under it is he's wearing his little white button down shirt. He's not wearing his ascot yet. Um but he's the lapel it's got this wide, beautifully pressed silk lapels that contrast from that oh gorgeous. And there's little piping on the wide sleeve cuffs. Beautiful. And and he and everything he's wearing is is bringing out his gray eyes. And so he looks fabulous without looking dandyish. Like he rides that line beautifully. Uh, he's not foppish. He's really mm. elegant, but not being foppish. And then later we see him. He's. I think that. I think it's the outfit he wears later in the day. So he's wearing the shirt, but he later puts on his pinstripe suit, and it's a gray suit. But the pinstripes are a copper color that exactly matches the copper ascot that he's wearing. Wow, gorgeous. Um, but interestingly. He's not wearing cufflinks. He doesn't have French cuffs. They're button cuffs, not hmm. French cuffs. And I wonder if that is, it must be intentional because nobody does things by accident with the costumes in this show. True. But I thought that was an interesting little That is interesting. Detail. The other reason why the ending is so satisfying is because Dot doesn't get her ball gown and you think that mm. she's never going to get it. Um, because, you know, after that scene in the bedroom when Franny says, we need to get you need to get you this beautiful ball gown and I'm not taking no for an answer. Then the next thing we know, she's in yet another brown suit, albeit a gorgeous, that brown suit was beautiful. That kind of burnt sienna color, lovely. Right. But she is clearly disappointed. It brings her to tears. She's so sad. And she's getting hit by the crossfire of these two sisters. They're arguing over her and saying, trust me, you're just better in the brown suit. It's sort of like way to crush my self-esteem. Oh, I guess I'll never be worth a ball gown. Dot. I know. I feel so bad for her. I am so with you, Dot. I've had many a traumatic dressing room experience, even though I'll never be in a couture house in my life. (sighs) I understand how that feels. We all had those moments. Like, so Franny's trying to calm her down a little bit and has a great line. You know what sisters can be like. Add fashion to the mix and it's diabolical. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay, so I had mentioned that there are all kinds of words associated with this. Like mm. I picked up the word diabolical. Mm. We have dangerous. We have lethal. Mm. We have lurking. Ooh. We have all of these words of danger applied to fashion. Yeah. And this world. And it's so interesting to me. What is the relationship there? But I feel like there is there is a lot of that with 
I don't know, how women relate to each other, how women are perceived, how women mm-hmm. present themselves to the world. And I think partly to men. Yeah, like the so male gaze. The male gaze is considering it dangerous and diabolical and, and we lethal see this and... as being this minefield of, yes, women should make these fashion choices for themselves. However, a woman, no woman ever in the history of the world, even now, has ever had the luxury of being able to go out into the world and not worry what someone is thinking or saying mm-hmm. to her, even if even if they don't say anything, right? Women are always assessed on their appearance, yes. both both men and other women, all yep. the time, every moment. And 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 I really feel dot on this because I like dot. I don't conform to the standard of thinness. All these all of these things. When you don't conform to that, you are painfully aware of that gaze in a different sense because it's not just the it's not just the threat level of being a beautiful woman walking down the street and and feeling like you can't be your own person but there's also this constant feeling of people are looking at you critically mm-hmm. and i i have lived my life painfully aware of that feeling and so i think dot i think that's what's getting at that dot desperately wants to feel beautiful too and She's getting shot down at every corner. And even her mother has been has yeah. raised her with a, well, they'll see you coming. That's the best compliment that anyone's ever paid Dot before. That is heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, what other notes do I... Oh, so I was looking up fashion in the 20s, which, I mean... Heck yeah. I do anyway. Yeah. Like, it's just fun. Um, so the designer Elsa Scaparelli, Ooh. are you familiar with her? No. So she was a contemporary of Coco Chanel mm. and they were actually kind of rivals, although Chanel like totally blew her out of the water. Yeah. You know, um, the empire was way too strong, but, um, so <laughs> Elsa, <laughs> um, Elsa was f- Italian as you can probably mm-hmm. guess by the name Scaparelli, which it's a cool name. Cause it looks like Schiaparelli. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I love the name, but she, had some really interesting designs that were kind of revolutionary. So she was the one who developed the wrap dress. Really? The yes. Diane, Diane von Furstenberg? Yes, exactly. Wrap dress is not actually Diane von no, Furstenberg? No, it happened in the 30s, so about 40 years before of course it did. Diane von Furstenberg. But yes, um, and she discovered it as a result of seeing how women wore aprons and just the flexibility that that provided in terms of like shapes and sizes and just movability really in a way that clothes didn't have. So yeah, she developed the wrap dress. That is fantastic. The divided skirt. So um, Ah. kind of a precursor to, it was like culottes. Yeah. yeah. Very flowy, but Mm -hmm. each leg gets its own sheath. Exactly. (laughs) And there was a... tennis player who went to Wimbledon in 31 and mm. wore this design and the tennis world was shocked. Oh, of course. By the divided leg. Oh, which, yeah. Like, I, yeah. Once again, it, it really helps me frame the you whole You know, women's sports and, and fashion in sports, that's a whole minefield too. And, you know, one of the dead feminists that we did was Babe Didrikson Zaharias. And there's a lot of, she was a golfer, but okay. she also was, oh, she yeah. was a boxer. She was an archer. She was a diver. She was a yeah. track star. She only, That's she right. only won three Olympic medals, gold medals in 1932, because that was the maximum allowed at the time. Oh my goodness. Because everybody was so obsessed with women not being feminine and everything else. And <sighs> there's some speculation that she only switched to golf because it was the only sport that was socially acceptable for women to play and oh be goodness. good at. So yeah, there's a whole thing about fashion and sports and women, you know, functional clothing versus 
beautiful clothing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it dates back to like women riding side saddle. You know how ridiculous that it is, is to ride side saddle un- if you can't actually grip the freaking horse with your legs? I kind of feel like it's like ballroom dancing. Like women have to do it backwards and in heels. You know, Seriously. like the classic ginger totally. Rogers quote. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, side saddle is just crazy. Oh, but my favorite discovery about one of the things that she invented was the speakeasy dress, Ooh. which was, she came up with it in the thirties and it was a dress that featured a hidden pocket <gasps> for your flask. Oh yeah. How, or, you know, your knife, if you're frining yeah, or exactly. your gun, it's a perfect friny dress. She wow. needs a speakeasy dress all the time. The speakeasy dress. Isn't that great? Where was the hidden panel? Where did, was it in the I front? Like searched and searched and searched for this. Cause I wanted a picture and yeah. I could not find one. I would guess um, it would be somewhere hip, like front that's, hip area. Yeah, probably not the side because your flask. Because you don't want to be like out. digging around. Like, right. I'm guessing yeah, front hip. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like where the little coin pocket is on jeans. Why does mm-hmm. that exist? Why I know. Uh, I've been curious about that let me too. Get your fingers stuck in there. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like travel clothing. There are yeah. a few brands that do it, and they have like a hidden zipper pocket right, for like your for, like for your passport so and your emergency money. You. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like that, but for your flask. So I love that. Um, so sometimes very much. you just need a little nip. I'm just saying. <laughs> Especially now. We should all wear speakeasy clothing right oh now. Oh my lord. <laughs> it was like the nineteen thirties version of the pussy hat, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> oh man. I um I don't know. I I mean I have tons of costume notes. We haven't talked about any real specific costumes. So yeah, and really, I mean, as I'm consulting my list here, the only new things that she wears that we haven't seen before in this episode are the dress that she's modeling at the beginning and the one that she's modeling at the end. But in between we have the navy chiffon coat with the the amoeba coat. Yes, exactly. Eye roll. Um, During her nocturnal investigations she's wearing the break and enter beret TM. True. And her cockfighting robe, I believe, is used as like her trench coat, sort of. I miss that. I I love when she wears it as a coat. It's just stunning. She does have a jade bangle that she wears in the bedroom scene that I love oh with is dot that with the green tribble no the green tribbles too. at the end okay or towards the end mm-hmm. um no the 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 jade bangle she's wearing with like a black and gold or maybe it's blue and gray i don't know whatever <laughs> whatever the internet says it is um she's wearing this flowy kind of jacket she wears a lot of jackets yeah she wears a lot of layers and it's hard like jacket number 14 of this one <laughs> but it's it's in the scene in the bedroom and okay um, she's, she's, and you only see it for a second. She's standing in the doorway and you see this little jade huh. bangle around her, around her wrist. Oh, is that when she's watching Dot, Dot swish around the, in her, that, in my dress? That That's dress, my favorite dress. That dress is gorgeous. That's and my favorite outfit right there. Those, it, I'm sure that, I mean, I don't know about the costumes, like actually making the costume for the show, but if that were a real gown, those would have been glass yeah. sequins. That would have been hand, heavy. Hand heavy. I mean, you could see how heavy it yep. was. I, I would guess that that actually might have been a vintage piece because with the weight of it as she's swirling it around mm-hmm. and just how it sparkled not in the way that plastic sequins True. sparkle. Right. Like that, those look like glass sequins. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. And Dot's suit that she buys that she's so disappointed about. I think Dot has some great stuff in this in this show. Um, what's interesting about that suit to me is it's a pinstripe suit. But she's got patch pockets. Oh. 
which is interesting because you that don't is. usually see patch pockets on a suit. You usually see welt huh. pockets on a yep. suit. And the stripes, the pinstripes on the patch pockets run perpendicular to the vertical stripes on the rest of the suit. Interesting oh, little. nice. Which is nice in a couture house. That would have been yeah. the sort of detail that they would actually pay attention to. That would have been a little signature detail there, which is really great. Huh. Um, Franny's wearing those sexy silver shoes with that <laughs> new dress, which I love. Um, and then, uh, what do I have here? I think that Renee wears some interesting stuff. She's the, she's yep. the Pret-a-Porter sister. Um, you know, her, her older sister is obviously wearing these very classic, she's like the Coco Chanel. She's wearing this. She looks so much like Carolina Herrera, the fashion designer. Oh yeah. Like they could be sisters, no problem. And it's, it's you bizarre. often see that they wear this like signature thing and that's the only thing they ever wear because mm-hmm. they, they figured like out Anna what Winter. looks. Right. <laughs> oh Lord. Or Coco Chanel for right, that matter. Yeah. Like there's the thing that works for them and they really believe in, and, and yeah, okay, I can get on board with that. But Franny doesn't subscribe to that. Right. At all. And her sister wears some interesting things. Like when at the fashion Fashion show at the end, Renee's wearing this um, this blue silk dress that is beautiful, and it has this kind of drapey collar in the front. Yes. And then earlier, she's wearing this like zigzag pattern, um, very sl- flowy kind of swing coat That's that right. is very Art Deco and lovely. Um, has a lot of red in it, and that blue silk dress that she's wearing at the end has these diagonal seams. And it almost like an entrelock pattern or an argyle hmm. pattern. There's like this diamond pane, very large seams in it that are very interesting. I think there's some great, great stuff in this. I don't like what, Jean, what Genevieve or Genevieve or whatever, I don't like what she's wearing. All of those silk oh, drapey yeah. blouses um, with the scarves and like, what is up? So boring. So when Dot and Franny go to investigate and Dot has to keep her occupied so Franny can snoop. Oh, the little plaid sailor yeah. outfit. I and actually like, like the, the collar on that. I like that double, I like it's, the double think, Peter Pan collar. I think it's the plaid that gets me. It's a little, it's big. It's really big. A large and she's plaid a very, like, small, on a small woman. woman. It's, yeah. is odd. Yeah. I that was I was not a fan of that, um, but you're right. Like big plaids are tricky on women anyway. They're very mm-hmm. tricky. I can't. I have a dress that has big plaid, and it's probably not the <laughs> right choice plaid. for me. I know right yeah. now buffalo plaid is like everybody's wearing it. Yeah, I cannot. I cannot do it. I cannot. I think this dress may be oh a buffalo gosh, plaid, no. and I think it makes me look like a buffalo, but <laughs> it's really comfy. <laughs> Women should dress first and foremost for it their own pleasure. Pockets too. Oh, I think we'll of you see. every okay. time. Yep. I think of you every time now. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love my I love my pockets. I did buy a lot of dresses this year because the book came out and we had all these book tours and we we had often like back to back to back to back mm-hmm. to back events and so I couldn't just do what I've done so many times and just have like two dresses that I keep washing. <laughs> right. I couldn't do that, so I had to buy like six or eight dresses. And that sounds I, terrible. I, I hate know. to be put in that but predicament. <laughs> I hadn't worn dresses regularly for a long time. Like I went through this long phase where I wore tons of dresses. I had, mm. I had a professional job like in a firm and so I had to look nicer all the time. And now I like work in my PJs in my house. And so I can be a total slob most of the time. Like today wearing pant- <laughs> jeans with paint on them. And, but now I've like bought all these dresses and I actually made it a requirement. They all have pockets. Yes. And it was great. I ordered one from... Bowden, which is a company I love. Bowden is good. Yeah. But I sent it back because the pockets were not functional. They were like little hand 
muffs, you know, like you, they would just like for your just your born. fingertips. Like, well, well like your whole hand would fit in, but you came in from the side. And so there was no lip. There was nothing to keep anything yeah. in the pocket. Yeah. And I was so sad. So yeah. I had to send it back. And I wrote like, you got to make your pockets functional, yo. I mean, this is essential. I have this wool skirt that um, it's very flowy. It's a little like, it's very old now and it's a little like borderline. I should probably get rid of it, but I love it. And it has, um, it has front pockets on it that are, they're like apron pockets mm. on like a utility belt. They're awesome. That they're really big. Great. They go downward from the <sighs> top. So you can put like Volkswagens in there. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, and it's heavy boiled wool. So they're oh, really strong. Nice. That, I think those pockets are the reason why I still have that skirt. And yeah, it, like I it, get it. It's a little tight; like it doesn't quite fit anymore because I'm old now. And but I probably will never get rid of that skirt. Yeah, because it's awesome. it's so funny. I mean, if I if I wear a dress that has pockets, I will get compliments because of the pockets. You know, they'll be like, yeah. "That is a great dress," and I love that it has pockets. Where did you get that? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's always the next thing, and yep. that's what I ask women to. I'm like, I love your dress, and it has pockets. Where'd you yeah, get it? The buffalo plaid dress is probably isn't the right choice for me, but it's comfy. It. It's made of flannel. It has <sighs> long sleeves, which how many dresses actually have wow, sleeves yeah. and it has pockets. Yeah, no, you got to keep I it. I got to do it. it. It checks all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> I look like Aunt checks. P's um, like anyway. country cousin in it, but you know what? I don't care. You know what? I bet you look really good. <laughs> you look amazing in that dress. Thank you. How, and how do you feel? Aww. How do you feel in that dress? I think self-conscious. Like oh, I always feel right. in everything ever. It's something I need to work on. Yeah, I'm I, learning the importance. I mean, this, you are amazingly confident. I am. I what? like. Oh, yeah. You, really? I, you probably don't feel. I, nobody I don't. feels like I wear it. black. You are <laughs> for every fabulous to hide. all the time. Every time I oh see you, gosh. I think she looks good. I need to tell you more Thank often. Thank you. That's because really nice. You do. Aww. You rock it. Thank you, lady mentor. <laughs> oh my gosh! How don't. to be a girl? <laughs> I definitely need those That's kind of very, mentors. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have other notes about garments, but I don't think it really matters. So I do see. love Dot's gown at the end. I think it's perfect for her. And that bit where he was like, she's pretty as a picture, but don't tell her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cute. It's like, no, you're supposed to tell her. That's right, what that's, you tell her. Right, that's the one. That's the one that's supposed to make see, it that, to her. You, and you actually remember that dress. That like, He'll probably remember. If she asks him that question again a year from now, he'll be like, I liked that dress you wore at the fashion thing. <laughs> I don't know what they call it, but you were pretty as a picture. See, yeah. Hugh, Hugh, come on. He'll figure it out. I have confidence. Even And Jack, that would have been the right, you know, Jack has coached him before. Like Jack should have been like, okay, that, this is the, this is when you tell her <laughs> right there. Yep. I, I love how Dot is modeling the dress. She comes through the doors and her arms are like awkwardly splayed out. Like, look at me, her. look at the dress. I know, I love it. I love it so I, much. So with it's her so on perfect. That. And then Friny comes like traipsing through. Like she's the rock star. She knows everyone. She knows she looks good. She And you know, like when I saw the drawing of the dress and when I saw the dress on the dummy, I was like, what? <laughs> and then I saw her in it and I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes. That dress has grown on me over the course of watching and this entire show. Massive bow. 
in the back. That bow is yep. as large as an adult human. It's <laughs> it is. Huge. Well, and it gets its whole camera shot. Like it gets its close up. Yeah. Right on that last delicious oh, scene, the delicious um, which scene. we will be touching on very, oh, very yeah. shortly here. But, um, but yeah, the, the front, it's so interesting. The front and the back of the dress are so completely different. Um, Fair. it's like two different garments. It is. But it and works. I think, yeah, it does. I, the color choices are interesting to me because They're, I wouldn't, it's odd. It's almost like a pea green. It is. And the beads and her earrings and her feather fascinator are all orange. So I'm guessing that the jewels and huh. her earrings are made of amber. Mm. Um, cause that would have been all the rage right. at that time. Um, and amber can be gorgeous. And normally we've criticized her for looking weird in fall colors, but it works. It totally it works this work. time. Yeah. And that orange feather fascinator. I think it's the red perfect. lipstick too. That's yeah. the tie in. She can like, rock a red lipstick. Yeah. Like nobody. And it works with the color. Like that's what really pulls it together well and in said delicious scene she's standing on the stairs and it's just a light it's just a trick of the light but the way you know we talked about this dress that looks blue and maybe it's white the the shadows on the stairwell which is painted white or cream behind her it looks blue in that sort of low Hmm. half light and so that orange fascinator pops against that dark bluey shadowy color it's the perfect complementary color it's like exactly across the color wheel that kind of Hmm. mac and cheese orange of her fascinator (laughs) and then that dusty blue i know isn't that terrible (laughs) by the way mac and cheese orange is my favorite color it was the color of my wedding dress i'm a fan are you serious Uh, yeah Oh yeah. Oh, that's great. All right. I will, I will, I'm going to write it down. I will send you a picture yes, of that. I need to see this dress. I really, really do. Mac and cheese. Orange. It is Mac and cheese. Orange. I can't wear white. I have, I have rosacea people. I can't wear white. I'm too red. I look like a lobster <laughs> and I'm really pale. Bad combo. Super pale skin mm. with rosacea. Bad combo. You will suffer in this life if you have that combo like I do. <laughs> So orange was the way to go. <sighs> um, the um, banter. So I have a new trademarked phrase, banter over the body. TM. <laughs> it so is. Banter over body TM. It so yes. is. So the delicious banter over the body at the beginning there. With Not the... many victims come with their own murder weapon. <laughs> yeah. And then the Antony and Cleopatra. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, my gosh. What is it? He kissed the last of many double kisses, and I missed the rest of it. Something uh, about his Orient Pearl. Yeah. But this isn't the first time. I mean, they went, the whole Antony and Cleopatra thing is is like a running it's, theme for them. It's their running theme. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is fine by treasure, me. She says, Franny says, treasure of an oyster. And then he says, he kissed the last of many double kisses, this orient pearl. Yeah. And then they look deeply into each other's eyes and maybe at their lips a little bit and then don't do anything, which is what they do. It would be rather gauche to do. make out over a dead body. <sighs> don't you think? The <laughs> angel over my shoulder says, no one should do that. And That's the devil's horrible. like, go for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, can we talk about that iron? Yeah. Okay. I love that bit where Dot knew. It, when I first saw this, I saw it with my husband who makes his own clothes and so knows about and and is a Luddite. If you ever met him, it, he looks like he stepped out of 1931. He very um, much does. And yep. he uses, he he doesn't use new tools. His sewing machine dates back to the 50s. So it is electric. <laughs> it's not a hand pump, but still. <laughs> but close. Yeah. Um, and he, his, 
this is, so there's a little bit of a tangent here. Um, he has been on this, he's been fighting the fight about irons for years. And when I first, when we first got together, he had this really fancy tailor's iron that was from Europe. It was from like France or something. And it was very fancy and it cost like 500 freaking dollars. And it what? had, okay. it was a steam iron with its own like reservoir. It was like a professional grade iron and it rusted out within a year because if you, modern irons have a reservoir of water inside the iron. And so all irons, even the fanciest irons fail within a mm. certain amount of time because eventually the water rusts up from inside. So he did all this research and he went, he went back to the source and was looking into very, very old irons. And first he looked into sad irons, which are irons that heat, that have no power source. They heat up on a stove top okay. on basically a griddle. Right. And then you take it off and the reason why these these old irons work is because they are so heavy that they have a really high specific heat and they stay hot for a long, 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 long time. <sighs> he ended up not getting a sad iron. I okay, why he, is it called a sad iron? I don't know, but okay, I, maybe because you'll be really sad if you <laughs> drop it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it's called a sad iron. Okay, but a sad iron is one that do, it doesn't have power on it. He ended up getting an electric iron, a very old one from I think the 40s or 50s it still has its original cloth cord it's detachable so you can take the cord out and he always does for safety mm-hmm. um that thing it, it it probably weighs 10 pounds if anything it is so heavy and the the iron that they have in this show that isn't hot when she touches it that's a gas iron so that little reservoir in the back is not water it's not for steam it's a it's gas powered <laughs> Um, iron. So that was one of the first power irons as they had natural gas in wow. there and then it would heat up. Um, and Dot is absolutely right. It takes at least three to four hours for those irons to cool down after Jeez. you remove the heat source. They stay hot for hours and hours and hours. And wow. um, my husband's, my mother-in-law comes to visit to, to sew with my husband every so often and they do projects together. Okay. That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> but she hates the iron because it's, it's old fashioned and she forgets to turn it off and it doesn't have, oh. it has either on or off. Right. And when it's on, it heats up and gets hotter and hotter and hotter uh-huh. and hotter. And you have to be really careful because if you leave that thing on, you can burn the house down. So she's left it on before and only for like a few extra minutes, but even then he'll, he'd have to turn it off and let it cool down for hours before he can use it again. Because if it gets too hot, it'll burn your holes in your clothing. Oh, okay. So it doesn't regulate itself. It just Mm -hmm. keeps getting hotter. Yep. Huh. Yeah. So it's a real skill. Like you have to. Knowing the timing, the perfect time to use the iron. Yeah. And that gas iron that she was killed with, like it, she, and she was saying that she had trouble with the pleats. Like she, that would have been a skill that she had. She would have Jeez. known to like how long to leave it on. A ten, when, running a 10 pound weight over tiny little delicate yeah. pleats. I can't even. Yeah. And then the first thing Dot knew to do was to test that iron. Mm-hmm. And she knew she was lying as soon as it was a cold iron. Cause yeah, that, yeah, that iron would take three hours at least to cool down. Huh? So yeah, when we watched that together, he was like, that iron wouldn't be cold. And then that was the next thing she said is that iron wouldn't be cold. And he was like, see, <laughs> Oh, that's man. really funny. He, yeah. he should be a consultant for the show. I know. So Violet's mail run gets intercepted by, and oh. actually Bert and Sess play a couple funny roles There's in this. There's some good, I just yeah. wrote down Sess and Bert comic relief. Yeah, they yeah. are. Like when they're looking through the catalog and he's like, it's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Brian, he says, uh, actually the term is lingerie and it's the way to a lady's heart once you've found the rest of her. <gasps> I forgot about that line. It's so good. And Bert does like a little hat 
yeah hat tip it's uh, yeah that's a nice little so good but so um she asks them to help intercept the mail run to see where that package is being sent and i have to tell you the scene it sets my belly buzzer off what is that because okay my belly buzzer is a term like when you know something's not safe like women women have belly buzzers like swoop in your stomach yeah it's a belly buzzer and you have to pay attention to that that's what i'm learning like the older i get pay attention to that feeling. There's a book about that called The Gift of Fear. Oh. Hmm. And it talks about like paying attention to that. Yes. Fear. Like we spend our whole lives tamping it down, but yes. we shouldn't. But it's a very important yeah. uh, feature that's it's, built in yeah. and especially women. So she's clearly like, she's got troubles. She's got all these packages. She's wheeling this bicycle. Down an alley. Down an alley. Yeah. And these two dudes totally trap her. Yeah. And I do not like this. I don't like that either. This scene really weirds me out. Yeah, because... It's creepy. Because all of us have either been in a situation like that or have, like, avoided a situation, like, narrowly escaped a situation like that. I feel like I am always imagining the worst scenario I mean, this is just one of the things about being a woman. Last night I was in an elevator with a bunch of guys in a parking garage. And oh. there's, there was no and reason. you can't avoid it. You can't. And, there was no, yeah. I had no way of like determining who was going to join me in the elevator. And then you pay this price too of if you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to wait for the next one. Then, then that sets you up for what? You don't want to get in the elevator with me, right. blah, 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 which can, can sometimes make it worse. It can. Or they like just want to be chivalrous, but it turns into this awkward thing. And you're like, We're really? All, no. All these dudes looming over go. you in a fucking elevator. Sorry. You should probably edit that out. <laughs> But it was just one of those scenarios. Like, it was totally fine. But I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm totally outnumbered here all by myself in a parking garage. I think this is one of the major cognitive disconnects between men and women is that women have to, and, and the whole yes, all women thing that happened after the Santa Barbara shooting, yes, all women have to have some level of threat assessment Every day of their lives, whether yes. it's, do I cross the street? There's this guy coming. Do I cross the street? And they had the, the added crap of having to then worry, oh, is that going to make him feel bad? Right. If I do that. It's like a double whammy. Yeah. And it'll be my fault no matter what mm-hmm. happens. If he assaults me, it'll be because, I, be because I didn't have the presence of mind to cross the street. Right. It was my fault. If he doesn't assault me, then I'm a jerk for, for making him going, feel yep. bad. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you cannot win. And I think it's a rare man who understands that this even happens in women's lives. The, yeah. Have you heard the, the term Schrodinger's rapist? No. I think Kate Harding um, came up with that one. And she uh, contributed to a blog. I, I, don't know, I think it was actually on her own. I think, it was also, I think it was on her own website, but I read about it on Shapely Prose, which is sadly no longer being contributed to, but I think it's still around. It's about hmm. body image issues and stuff like that. But uh, Schrodinger's rapist is the concept of um, you don't know that a man is going to be a rapist until he actually rapes you. Hmm. And so until that point, you can only assume that the threat might happen, might or might not happen. And that your best, your only course of action really is to assume that it might. And you will never know for sure unless it happens. And so there's always this second guessing and, well, you're overreacting, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm sorry. All women have to have to operate on the level of Schrodinger's rapist. They have to. There's really no other choice. That's really interesting. It kind of blew my mind when I read that. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. 
So I feel so, like yeah, the major discomfort with that yep. scene. And I, I, it was surprising. And it was played off as comic relief right. and that was the other bumbling guys blah, yep. blah, blah blah hey we did a fun little hustle like a little heist movie but no no I actually it was it was kind of terrifying even though it was broad daylight thank god it was broad yeah, daylight and Bert's not coming up behind her and Cess blocks the alley with the car with I know a car like yeah. it is terrifying yeah poor Violet and no, no wonder she blundered that. No wonder she dropped the package and no forgot kidding. what the heck. She was probably just thinking, Jesus, get me out of here. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like how they played that. Because you're right, it was played for laughs. And then, you know, they got rewarded. And they got disapproved. But yeah. Franny was like, great. Good work, guys. Yeah. yeah. I thought that that was a misstep. Yeah. A very rare one. But yeah, belly buzzer. But that's just <laughs> the sort of, that's the sort of thing that is so, even in the most conscientious of shows. Yes. like. It's, we're still ingrained in this culture that doesn't, the default is to not think about this stuff because the default is the male default. Yes, exactly. It's like we still call, back to the whole Babe Diedrichson, Zaharias sports thing. We did that dead feminist broadside during the U.S. Open, which came to our town of Tacoma, Washington, or near Tacoma, Washington. And we did that piece during that time. And my big beef at the time was that... Men, male sports are still the default. Yes. It's the U.S. Open, not the U.S. Men's Open. Right. We have the U.S. Open and the U.S. Women's Open. We have hockey mm-hmm. and women's hockey. We have basketball and yep. women's basketball. She's the best female athlete. Female athlete, not yep. athlete. And actually, when you see like the top 10 greatest athletes of all time, they're always men. All mm-hmm. of, Even though Babe Zaharias was quite possibly the greatest athlete period, whoever lived. I mean, everybody talks about how Michael Jordan is so great because he played two sports. She had at least a dozen that she was a champion at. And I, I, it's un, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And it's still, the default is the male. It's, yep. it's still, we don't even think about it. And of course, if I bring this up, I'm overreacting. So in high school, um, we had actual PE tests, like written tests. Did you oh. ever have this? Like you had to learn how to score bowling and then have a test. Oh, I think, and, yeah, I went to 10 different schools by the time I graduated oh, high school, okay. so I'm sure there was in there somewhere, okay. but I mostly have blocked out PE, yes. said in general, right. as a traumatic <laughs> experience that I never want to repeat. Totally. I'm totally there with you. And I think you and I were both like good student types, Yeah, but... The but, only bad grades I ever got were always in, in phys yep. ed. No, that, torture. I mean, I think PE was like one of the things that really hurt my my body image just for years, oh. for decades. Like, it, Do you remember scoliosis checks oh in the locker room? Oh, God. Yes. Trauma. <sighs> Junior high plus phys ed plus puberty <laughs> just equals, just send it's me to just, therapy now. It's just hell. It's just hell. Anyway, my PE teacher in high school was from the 50s, and I don't know where she had worked previously, but all of the written tests that we had to take for, like, badminton and tennis and (laughs) bowling were, I think, from, like, a women's school or something, because all of the examples were female. Like, um, player one does this, and she scores this many points player two does this and she scores this many points and it was all female pronouns every single one of them and I remember one of my male classmates being like why are these all women where where are the guys oh how does it feel exactly how does it feel but he had never considered this yeah not ever like that everything that women read is male default male male pronouns male everything and that if you even so much as bring it up to like hey have you noticed this then 
anger ensues. You're a crazy feminist and yeah. you're rocking the boat. It's yep. Yeah, it's a thing. And it is. I, there's this, I've probably mentioned this before, but there's this great blog that I love. It's called Captain Awkward. And it is an <laughs> advice, it's a feminist advice column. It is fantastic. And a lot of it has to do with like women's issues, but not everything. There's a lot of academia stuff or like, I need to get out of my job that I hate. What do you recommend? Like, it's all kinds of stuff. And, but the, the comment section is heavily moderated, of course. Great feminists. The comment section is as worth reading mm. as the advice column. I it's love the that. only website I can say that about. It's right, fantastic. Right. Yeah. Normally and, they're just like a cesspool. Yeah. And I, I don't even remember what it was that I was reading, but I was reading a, a, a entry lately and in the, in the advice, in the comment section, there happened to be a lot of Smith grads, one hmm. of the women's colleges, one of the seven sisters. And and they talked about, one of them brought up this thing that is a thing at Smith that they called it the loser dance, where they, they still have these, because it's in a women's school, they still have dances at this college. And so <laughs> men come from wherever. I know. Can you imagine? They import the men for the yeah, night. It's yeah. such a throwback. So like, funny. hello, Mona Lisa smile. <laughs> like, they still have these things. And, and, if, and even if you're not at a dance, even if you're just at like a bar or whatever, Freshmen women at Smith are taught the loser dance. So if a woman gets pinned in a corner between a bunch of guys at like a bar or mm-hmm. whatever, um, she gives a signal, whatever. I don't know what the signal is, but she gives a signal that they're all taught. And then the women all come up and they start like causing a ruckus no. around the guy causing a problem. And they call that the loser dance. That's amazing. And it's a thing. And and so everybody was like, I remember the loser dance. I went to Smith oh too. My gosh. I was Smith grad. And then... Somebody had this amazing insight where they said, you know, one of the things that was so amazing about Smith and women only education, which is dropping like flies, all these, Mm -hmm. it's ending in a lot of places, is that it's really empowering to be in an environment where the default unit is a woman. (sighs) Yeah. And that just blew my mind. And I only just read this a few days ago. And I just was like, wow, the default unit as a woman. It's hard to even conceive of this. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been one of my big fears wow. of coming out with this book about feminism is, you know, we had lunch with our editor when the book, when we signed off on the book, she said, she said, we always take our authors out to lunch when the, when the book when is the signed off on. Yeah. So now it's your turn. Let's go out to lunch. And so she took us out to lunch and, and she says, okay, so what are your worries? Blah, blah, blah. Are you hmm. worried about bad reviews? And I'm like, well, what I'm mostly worried about is now we're women with a platform. And, you know, I kind of like raised my glass and said flippantly, like, let the death threats begin. And, <laughs> but it's like, I, I worry about that. I yeah. read about like Lindy West. Oh, geez. And I'll never be well known like Lindy West is, but yeah. I, I worry about that stuff. And she I don't quit she has Twitter. So much, she did. I read she that. She quit Twitter. And, and she had, is like the bravest person oh I, my gosh, I, I can't, ever heard of. I can't. I mean, yeah, she, one of the things she did is she publicly recorded read herself. Her rape her threats. Rape threat. yeah. Like I can't even, yeah. what you have to do to mentally process and then to get to a point where you can, you can do it that visibly. I, I, I can't even with, get there. With no reaction on her face. Right. She I like cold can't. read it. Oh, just thinking about it. Like, I mean, I, I think about like, I, I got some mansplaining. People have been pretty kind about the book overall, which is very nice of them. But I, I we got like one mansplaining review on Goodreads where the guy was like, I found a typo on this page and clearly need a better editor. And what kind of, I mean, obviously you're morons, blah, 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 blah. Obviously you're women yeah. doing a man's yeah. job. Oh, yeah. can't add, can we? Oh, oh my, it was like There was a That's typo funny. in one of the dates on somebody's biography, oh my whatever. Gosh. Like. And, oh. and therefore, I can like, write off the entire book because right. you're a friggin' moron, clearly. <laughs> 
And that was like a nothing comment. That was mm-hmm. like, he didn't like threaten me. Like right, it just was right. a dude being a dude and whatever. And I think about that like all the time. Like that's, oh, that's the thing that niggles at me and right. like festers like a bad tooth. And, <sighs> and I can't even imagine what it must be like for no. her to have thousands upon thousands of rape threats before breakfast and I to have to live your the life. The bravery of that woman is... Every day. <laughs> It, and the, did you, like, she did that This American Life show with, yes. where she had that phone call with her troll. Oh who my gosh. It was amazing. Impersonated I was, her dead dad. I like, was listening in the car and I'm like, yeah, tears. Yeah. And just, oh, Lindy West, you are a goddess. I just read her book, actually, just <laughs> Shrill. Yeah. I yeah. just, like, I woke up and started reading it and then I didn't do anything for the rest of the day because all I did was read that book and Pretty just much. read it till mid afternoon and then was like crying and Ugh. cheering and it just, it's so good. It's so good. And I, th- I mean, she's local too. She's in Seattle she is, and that yeah. added some of it. I would love to meet her. She is amazing. She is amazing. I, I just, I don't, I mean, the level of bravery she yeah. has to have I, every day. I really cannot even conceive of it. Um, <sighs> thank goodness. Thank goodness there are women like Lindy West. Should we one. just, should we go to the nightcap scene? Should we yeah, just do go it? go for it. Okay. Although I do love, I did write down, oh. there was a hilariously wonderful peacock statue in the background of the the couture house where they really? were, when Dot is disappointed about her suit and they're sitting in those <gasps> armchairs, yes. there's this ridiculous white peacock. It's all white, right? Marble yeah. peacock uh-huh. behind them. <laughs> that goes with, was it like the dogs or something? Like dachshunds? It's like that. It's yeah. like those greyhound statues. Greyhounds, that's it, what it was. Except it, like from Friends. Or, I think we've talked about this yeah, before. It's did. like if it's a peacock. <laughs> well, that's I love me a well-placed, gaudy peacock. It's really funny. Well, you know what you're getting on your birthday then. <laughs> <laughs> also, new band name, Pearls in the Potpourri. I'm just saying. Nice. That's good. I love that whole bit I, with like stuffing the pearls oh in my the camera. I, like, I don't get it. Okay, I never even understood what happened. What, why pearls in the camera? Well, the pearls were the, uh, the potential murder weapon, even though like we found out she was stabbed. but She was stabbed and strangled, and the pearls were either the murder weapon or the reason for the murder? They were, you know? Well, they were stolen. And and I think it was a red herring, honestly. Uh, yeah. I think okay. they thought the, I think originally they thought the murder was over the pearls because they were priceless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody, but they're really recognizable. They were, everybody yeah. remembered the pearls. Right. And so they Did obviously they get... needed to stash them somewhere. Okay. So that's where they went immediately? Because- how could Franny take a picture? No, originally they went in the potpourri pot in the in Violet's, in Violet's studio. studio, and then they got moved to the camera. To the camera because of the potpourri all over the and and Franny found another pearl right. in the potpourri pot. Right. Um, so originally they got stashed in there, and then they got stuck in the camera. And this was all Genevieve, the model, yes, doing this. But then why was the camera stuck? It wasn't. So why another why red did herring? She... Because. Um, Renee yeah used the camera being stuck as an excuse about I didn't I never made the connection here but it was something about trying to hide the counter the copy dresses and the being sending having her meetings with the other okay. guy to set up her own shop okay all of this stuff I know, she was not... she was the one doing the counterfeit dresses but she had no idea that the jewels were actually being sewn into them so she okay. was duped as well but yeah, it, it was all these little misdirections and red herrings and things. I actually paid attention for once. Yes. Mostly because I'm like, you have hey. Just, you have just described this incredibly well. Thank you. Yeah, as usual, I did not It's only really because care. she used this like large format glass negative camera. I'm like, hey, nice camera. <laughs> I, did, I did like that camera too. But I don't think, 
Well, I guess I guess she would have left a glass plate negative in there if she thought the camera was jammed, but she didn't think the camera was jammed. So when Franny took the picture of Dot, there shouldn't have been a plate negative in there already. Mm. There shouldn't have been, unless she got interrupted or something. Because you don't, mm-hmm. it's not you like a film camera where you can load the film in and right. just leave it in there. You don't do that with yeah. glass plate negatives. I have a friend who does this sort of photography, and so I've seen her. She she shot those photos at our wedding. She brought oh, a, an old-fashioned camera oh, wow. with the bellows and the little drape. And Did her. somebody take pictures of her taking pictures of you? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Excellent. Yes, I will. I'm adding that to my <laughs> list that I need to send you. And I know that I'm terrible at following through on this. I'm always saying on the record, I will find that photo, and then I never do. But by God, I will Don't actually worry. do it. I know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> I can get those photos. Oh, I um, also love the, um, I love Violet Studio. That, I think it's like a mail cubby thing from a hotel that's been repurposed as a spool cabinet. Oh. And those spools are all arranged spools. by color. Oh my oh, gosh. Baby. The wall of spools. The yeah. wall of spools. I want that in my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pinterest. Exactly. <laughs> totally. And yeah. the mason jar is full of buttons, which is actually a good idea. Oh, I, that's how I have some. Of my husband mine in keeps there. his buttons by color in uh, Altoids tins. He's got stacks and stacks and stacks of Altoids tins. That seems like a hard way to find what you're looking for if it's not clear. Labels. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, coat closet stakeout scene. Uh, yeah. With the picnic. Yeah. Hello. Okay. With the picnic that the did napkin. not have cutlery. Like- Mr. B would not have forgotten the forks. I'm just saying. But finger food is sexier. Yeah. We've already talked about how nice his hands are. So, I, Franny, when she says, try some of Dot's cottage pie, it is <laughs> the most like, sexual way to say cottage pie. It is. You need She's to have leaning like right a, into him. You need to start a 900 number of like <laughs> about food. People can call in and say food names really sexily. Oh, geez. Would you like some more Turkish delight? <laughs> Seems like something that already exists in Japan. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Alongside the vending machine. With your of... hentai and your vending machine with panties in <laughs> yes. it and your news anchors with, yeah, oh, God. No offense to any people from Japan, but dear God, you have some serious subcultures there that I don't understand. <laughs> I think we're probably guilty of very bizarre stuff. Well, there are things like furries. Yeah. Oh, there, there is a, there was a Captain Awkward advice column that was like, "Help! I'm really interested in someone, but I think he might be a furry." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <They've>, yeah, <sighs> I knew. So, uh, no, I can't talk about it because. <laughs> Based on who's involved, it would, if anyone local listened, they would know. So we live in a small town. Yeah, it's a real small town. I'm not going to go into it. Um, Yes, coat closet stakeout. I, it's it's a very, very hot little scene there. Um, Also, that is a very nicely made little napkin that he's got. A little gray napkin with the, I don't know, it must be. Is it like tucked into his collar? Uh Huh? Just saying. I'm picturing her like tucking it in for him. Oh, and, I like that. That's yeah. nice. Yes. Um, right after that, the cloaked figure sneaking across the grass mm. of her yard. It's terrifying. Yeah. I don't know what that is. That that triggered something. It was very scary just to watch that person creeping. I, and all you know I can think gonna... of is where's Mr. Butler in his cricket bat and bathrobe? 
she sent them away. I know, but, uh, but it's yeah, hilarious. Exactly. This is like the only cat burglar where that doesn't happen. Yep. She gets a lot of cat burglars. Yes, she does. She knows how to handle them in her house. You know, maybe she shouldn't have so many balconies. Like all of her, her bedroom is so easily success, <laughs> like accessible really through balconies. <laughs> I know I'm victim blaming here. <laughs> Bad feminist. <laughs> You left your windows you know, open, you lady. You would have gotten broken into if you didn't have <laughs> so many balconies in your house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I don't know what we're doing I now. I don't think I have um, anything else. Except for the end scene. The end scene, which is delicious. So I get the feeling that she's leaving the parlor because she's been waiting up for him. Oh, I didn't even she's think been about sitting that. Sitting in that dress, you know. Yeah, since because the it was show. it was daytime. That show was held during uh-huh. the day. I also love how like Jack strides into the fashion show hallway and he like grabs something off of the plate of hors d'oeuvres yeah. that that person's holding. Like, I belong here. I can shut this place hey, maybe down. That mini burger. Yeah, hand <laughs> yeah. me that slider. <laughs> slider. <laughs> was that from White Castle? <laughs> <laughs> Upscale White Castle. Upscale couture couture version is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was in the daytime and then suddenly it's very late and she's still in the dress. I have to assume. With all the work that it would probably take to get her into that dress, I would wear that dress as long as I wouldn't just change out of it. Right. You're going to be buried in that dress because. You can be married or buried. (laughs) Well, and she sent. Dot away, maybe? Are they still gone? No, Dot was in the fashion show. So. She was. She so, must have got. She must be upstairs in her little bathrobe drinking hot cocoa. Mm-hmm. And she must have had a nightcap with Dot or somebody. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't think about it. I, yeah. I just think she lounges around all day in fabulous <laughs> outfits. I would if I were her. Yeah. She has provided the bait of the Colombian emeralds. So Jack's returning those and that's why he stops that's that's why he stops by. Right, pretense. Uh-huh. And uh, to return those and they have just some wonderful banter here. Which so good. normally like I mean it goes And he doesn't seem awkward. He dives right in. He he's dives like, in and he's got I'll that see your look. innuendo and raise you <laughs> raise, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> But he knows his limits. But I have what limits? Honestly, I know. What do we need limits for? Just go at it. I know. You're divorced. Go for it. I know. It's so infuriating. But it's interesting because he does dive in, but then he's like, "Nope, this I can't." I mean, clearly like, he, he understands the value of the chase and the foreplay. He's got foreplay down. Yeah. But at some point, would like to move on to something else. <laughs> preferably on camera yes <laughs> yeah there's got to be fan fiction that like oh starts with that scene oh there is uh-huh yes here be lemons i know that term what's that oh it's a fan know. it's a fan fiction thing whenever there's sexy times that are explicit they're, they call them lemons do they write that like they say here be lemons or is that just yeah, i've the read phrase? that yeah I've, yeah so like rated nc17 for lemons or or people get coy around it and they're like, has a citrus twist? Or if it don't <laughs> quite go all the way, you know. I can tell you that lemons do not get used in really? the Miss Fisher fanfic. Because I would just, I would, if, if I were to read fanfic, I'd just be there for the lemons. That's exactly why. Like, don't, wait. So. I'd be like, I don't, I don't. 
like I can make up my own stories in my head, but if I'm going to like read something, I want it to be smutty. Yeah. Give yeah, me no. the smut. Right. Yes. It's fantastic. It's For the so record, good. I really enjoy well-written smut. You hate poorly written smut. Oh, it has yeah. to be well-written. The quality is amazing of the Miss Fisher fan fiction. Mm. Like I am spoiled for choice. Mm. Yes. Um, I highly recommend mm. It is a slippery slope. Um, sure. It may take over your life. Um, yeah. I, so I am so easily led astray. It is ridiculous. I'm self-employed, so I am looking for any reason to procrastinate, basically. Right. Yep. Yeah. You maybe should not go down that Probably path. not. Yeah. I'm highly vulnerable right now. I'm trying to work on a new book, and mm. this is a bad time. Right. Looking for anything. Oh, to... I have shiny object syndrome yeah. so bad right now. It's really it is... funny. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. No, At least not right yeah, now. Yeah, no friendly smut right no. now. Um, so, yes, this is a time when fan fiction can get you through. Mm. The dry spells, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I went there. Yeah. Um, <sighs> But the banter, oh my goodness. And they really, like, they do really bring it in this one. Oh, yeah. And he's got that smoldering face. And she's quiet, very, like, nightcap. Like, like we both know that that's... Sexy time? And, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is code for something. Oh. Um, it is a delicious scene. But I do... So, it is maddening because... I'm real ready. I'm real ready for something to happen here. But I have to admire that we are sticking to the plot. Like, Jack, for whatever reason, is not ready Man to go of there. honor, blah, blah, yeah. blah, <laughs> blah, blah. <sighs> yeah. Um, stupid honor. Yeah. Have you so, learned nothing from Friday, Jack? Nothing? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, he... I want to see some more pantyhoses on, on some chandeliers. It's time. Right? It is time. It's time. I have to assume the movies. We need to shock Dot again. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's true. She's getting harder to shock. <laughs> we need to raise the bar. Exactly. That should always that be the goal. education is foremost in my mind. <laughs> That's so thoughtful of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm all um, about corrupting the innocent. I don't... I don't really know what more to say about that scene. It's just, it's just wonderful it is and good. too short and, yeah. and just, it's just real good. Um, good close-ups on both of them. Yeah, that's true. The angle that they have for Jack is very interesting where we're looking down from, from above. The, yeah. And yeah, that's interesting too, because you know, he's tall. He's certainly taller than she is. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time, you know, there's a whole, there's whole like TV psychology about that too, about comparative heights of women and men, because, you know, in general, men are taller, but not always. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that they chose to show Jack from below, almost in the submissive position. Like mm. she's kind of the dominant one. Right. Yeah. But it's, she's asking him, she's not compelling him. Right. She's asking his permission and he has the right to say no. And he does. And uh -huh. I think it's an interesting play on how this usually goes. It, it is. It's done very delicately. Like it's mm -hmm. also subtle and mm -hmm. she's trying to be kind, but also like, come on. Have you seen my dress? Yeah. Hello. Do you see what I am wearing? Let By me the show way, you the other side. It's real nice. <laughs> Please help me out of it. Thank you. Yeah. It's. It's it's handled really well, and you're right. Like it does show him as the he's not the one. Necessarily. He's not the, he's not the one driving the truck here. Yeah. 
even though he gets the he gets the say yay or nay. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It is. <laughs> Still wish he had said yep. <laughs> Nightcap, sure. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> lead the way lead the way yeah those stairs the stairway is interesting it seems like the border between this world and that one and the times that they've had very intimate scenes together have been right in front of the stairs almost like they're on the border between this country and that one and (laughs) we're like here be dragons yeah here's here's your passport jack go ahead Meanwhile, we have to content ourselves with like shrapnel guy and the sanctity of the boudoir. Yeah, a shrapnel, shrapnel man. guy. <laughs> I never remember anybody's name. Warwick, Mrs. What's it and Lady What's it and shrapnel guy. And... <laughs> I think but her really Bert was in there once too, which I love. Um, I think that was you and not me, though. I wish I thought of that one. No, that was you. Was Unfortunately. No, I usually don't come up with anything that, <laughs> that good. Was you and botched abortion lady. Well, that so that you. sounds like me. Boy, that sounds like me. Oh yeah, classy <laughs> from day one. <laughs> good times. I, um, I, you know, I didn't write down a toast, but well, um, do you have an? I actually came up with something. Go for it. As we were talking and, and, and talking about like solidarity among women and rooting for each other mm. along those lines, I don't, okay. you're very good at like constructing the actual toast. I, yeah, the, my thought lines were somewhere around the whole, you know, women doing things for themselves, like dressing for her own pleasure. Mm. So maybe we can tie the two together. Like, I like that. We, I guess we have toasted like on international women's day and maybe we've, okay, well, we've gone that. You know, the, the Million Women March is happening very shortly yes. on January 21st. And sadly, I'm not going to be able to actually be there in person. So maybe we can raise our toast to them as they march together and support each other as, moving forward. As we march together. As we move forward together. <laughs> yes. To you gals. Cheers. To all of us. Jesus Vegans for the win. Jesus Vegans. Is that another band name? Was it you that I was talking about with Miso Superman? No. Oh, that's my best band name ever. I have a file of band <laughs> names. Really and good. And the best one was Miso Superman. That was I, just a couple weeks ago. I think I still like Waffle Cone Hate Mail better. It's, I don't think I added that to the list. I'm oh, adding it right yeah, now. Waffle Cone Hate to. Mail. It's so good. It's part- opening for Waffle Cone Hate Mail. Miso Superman. I'd see that show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>